Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. Today on the podcast, we're in the UK, a very historical podcast in that we're with the hash master of the oldest hash in the UK, Westcombe Park. Please welcome hash master John. Welcome. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What do I call you? What do people call you on the hash? Uh, well, names that can be published. Um, I'm just known as the master. The ma- master. Tell us your background starting story when and where and how did you start hashing we started on december the 17th 1971 1971 that's right sorry so long ago and that was started by a chap called mike reed who had just come back from lagos where he'd been hashing he was a member of our rugby club which is called westcombe park rugby football club which started in southeast london near blackheath and he wrote to about 12 or 15 of us what to us seemed an extraordinary letter trying to explain the hash and what it all meant. And some of us, we sort of thought this was a fancy dress thing. So we all turned up in fancy dress with hats. <laughs> but an extraordinary reason. And as a result of that, we have kept the hats. So every month when we run, and we run once a month, every time we run, we have to wear a different hat. Fantastic. What it is. So the local Oxfam shops do very well around here with hat sales. So we started in a little place just around the corner from the rugby club, as I say, not really knowing what we were doing. We followed the trail that he laid with flour because he didn't want to lay papers it used to be in those days, keeping the country free of litter, etc. So we laid flour. And he produced a bottle of brandy at the beginning, which we have kept as a tradition. So we have a brandy before every, I say run, but it's getting a bit slower these days. About halfway around the woods, uh, we found him parked there with a boot open, and glasses of refreshing nectar in it. Very alcoholic. And then we finished the run. We went back to the rugby club, changed. He prepared some food for us. We all showered at the rugby club. And we then had a meeting. Again, this is all very strange, um, where various fines were imposed for bad behaviour. Or you could be fined for being a goody-goody, of course, if you hadn't done anything. And then he produced this plastic potty, which is, as you know, is known as the hashit. And that was awarded to somebody who misbehaved on the, on, on the run. That's really how it started. And we then decided we would do this once a month, the last Sunday of each month, starting at 0955 hours. Again, why 5 to 10? I don't know, but not 10. It was 5 to 10 when we had the hash sip, the brandy. We have run since then with about 15 of us to start with. And we've not really got too much bigger than that. We've gone up to sort of 20, 30, because how we do it is at the end of the, the hash, we go back to the hare's house. Each month we have a different hare. We go back to his house where we shower and change. And his wife prepares lunch. Um, it can be just bread and cheese or it can be a spaghetti or whatever, light lunch, where we have a barrel of beer that used to travel around with us. And then the fines were imposed and the next hair was chosen for the next month. So that has continued. And one thing we've always had, and because we started with the rugby club, and we always used to change, obviously, in the, the house of the hair, we have tended to keep this male only. Perhaps it would have been nicer to bath with the ladies, but one didn't do it in those days. <laughs> we have had a bit of a problem sometimes with fellow hashers who come back from Hong Kong or somewhere, and the wife might have phoned up and said, we'd like to join you next Sunday. And I've said, I'm very sorry, <laughs> men only. I'd love to see you afterwards, but not on the, on the run, which has caused a bit of a problem sometimes. But um, we have never missed a month. We did got a bit light when with the COVID, of course, restrictions. So we used to have a Zoom hash. So we would sit on the Sunday morning, we would log in at 5 to 10, sitting here in our hats, 
with a bottle of brandy in front of us, we used to have the sip. And another thing that we always did that started, we have what are called our hash cards. Hash cards. So we have to carry these with us at all times. It has your name and a photograph on. Can you hold it? Could you hold it right up to the camera there? Let's get a picture of I'll that. Be honest, it's, it's, it's been through. Yeah, that's, uh, but we see what it is. Okay, cool. All right, so it has your name on it, your position. So you could be hash cash, hash quack, hash silk, whatever. And you carry this at all times, and you could be challenged at all times by something. And if you haven't got it on it, you've got to buy him a drink. Nice. Now, that happened, I know, uh, with some friends of ours who were on a small Greek island having a drink and sitting there. And another hasher happened to be just touring on his yacht on a sailing flotilla, saw them sitting there, went across, can I see your cards, please? Because he's like, died, they haven't got their cards. So I think a lot of Uzo was drunk that afternoon. That's <laughs> great. So that's a condition, but there were traditions that we keep going. So. That's a, a lot of great traditions. It's very interesting the things that happened on the first week said, okay, that's how we're going to do it for the next 50 years. Yes. Two of us running who ran on that first hash. Who was the other? Alan Gaunt, who's hash cash. He's, he's um, kitty master. We're on that first run. Is there a chance I could talk with him and see if any of his stories uh, align with yours? Yeah, I, I can give you his contact details. So Great. How did it feel? The first hash, you did it. Like you said, nobody really knew what it was. Hashing was not spread that far. What was the feeling in, of that first run? We were all, you know, of a certain type, I suppose. You know, idiots. Enjoyed a drink, as hashers do. Uh, and we just thought it was great fun. Plus the fact, although it was organized locally, we went around countryside, of course, that we'd never seen. Because Mike laid a trail where he went. And we had to follow that trail. And, and since then, of course, we have, we've have run in Kent, Surrey, Sussex, a hash of a layer trail. And we've been through some beautiful countryside, seen some wonderful properties. We've also uh, had, we used to have hash weekends away. We've hashed in Belgium, a very fine hash in Belgium. We actually hashed on the cross Channel Ferry. One of the boats laid a trail with salt. So we ran all over the boat, much to the confusion of the crew. Never missed an opportunity for a hash. Um, we've been to Guernsey. We've been down to the West Country. We've been all over the place hashing, so it's it's been great fun. And that is when we do take our wives, and invariably they are more badly behaved than we are during the hash. <laughs> they're, out, they're out to prove something. <laughs> right, they still haven't convinced you to let them on the hash, but that's no, okay. No, no. They keep winding me up by saying, "John, we'll have we'll have the ladies in it." I say, "No, you won't." At that very beginning, was there singing? Yes, there was in our case, not communal singing. We had two gentlemen called the Hash Music and the Wizard, who used to write a song all about the hash as it was. And then they put it to a well-known tune. Wow. So they got up and performed very funny, hilarious songs. We've got records of those songs. Very funny, brilliant stuff. So that we used to sit and we call them and then they would get up and sing a duet together. So. And was that the same people for a long time or was it? Every problem, yeah, until, until only a few years ago. The hash music died, unfortunately, and the wizard has moved to Wales. So uh, and we didn't have anybody, sorry to admit it, clever enough to write the words that these chaps did. You know? Yeah. When did you get involved in leadership or mismanagement of the West Western Park? Uh, well, the channel called Mike Sanson was the original hash, who was a, a hash master, who was a friend of Mike's. He unfortunately died. Somehow, in a weak moment, I was elected. But they still say I'm not the real master. So I really haven't got to that high pinnacle yet. They, mm -hmm. they just referred to me as not the real master. <laughs> and how long have you been hash master, the oh, master? I must be now uh, 40, nearly 40, 35 years, I suppose. Wow. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. And how often do you miss about? So uh, in the 50 years of monthly hashes and, and away trips, how many of you had to miss approximately? What percent? To miss them? Very yeah. few. Very few. It was a sort of unwritten law. You know, the last sound in the month is a hash, regardless of what you're doing or your wife wants you to do. You have records of those songs that were written. Do you have other hashing records of how many times people have gone or where you've gone? Do you keep records? No, we don't. No, we, don't. we have records of the songs, but uh, not not to sort of uh, like the schoolmaster ticking the children in each uh, each day. Do any of your members hash occasionally with other hashes around yes. the UK or yeah. elsewhere? Where have you yeah. gone? I did hash with one of the hashes in Surrey somewhere, again, so long ago. Uh, and I hashed once with the London hash. And we do have, I think, about two or three members of the London hash who run regularly with us. Well, again, I say run. Yeah, hash. <laughs> Yes. Well, we have a hash dinner once a year. Well, that's dropped off a little bit. We're going to have one this year because it's our 50th celebration. Wow. So we always have a hash dinner. Again, the wives are invited, which is a fairly alcoholic occasion. Again, a lot of fun. People get up and do whatever they want. You know. Nice. So, are there any bachelors on the hash or lifelong bachelors on the hash or is everybody else? No, no, there's no bachelors. We're all married. There is a talk now. We need to recruit some more. We were talking about this only the last hash because we're all getting on a bit. We need some younger blood coming in. Unfortunately, I try to get some of our first 15 players involved, but these youngsters won't get out of bed on a Sunday morning. Been up all night, but they can't do that. It does sound a little early, I'm sure, to some hashers who are out Saturday nights. Well, that's part of it. You know, you, you've got up and you did it. You know? yeah. Alan Gaunt and I, I know, on two occasions when we were laying the trail, we've been to all-night parties and just got up and carried on running. You know? that, that is hash style. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of the Rumson hash. There's a hash that started in 1972 in Rumson, New Jersey. All men, very traditional like you. They don't have a circle. They're less traditional that way with the hash. They start at 1017 on a Saturday morning. A few hours after you do, there's another all men's group getting up early on Saturday to hash. <laughs> it's been no end of fun, you know, when I think of that original letter from Mike that it would still be going unfortunately Mike died some time ago but we, we raised our glass to him and when we have our hash dinners it's a bit morbid really but I have photographs of the, all the hashes that have passed on they're photographs around the walls of our room that we have the dinner in and we raise our glasses to them right. yeah honor and yeah. memories hashes, yeah. yeah very cool what other traditions do you guys ever do hash t-shirts or other swag yes yes we have hash t-shirts I should have got one out for you shouldn't I um now I haven't got one here. I should have got one for you. Hey, send me a photo one, yeah. And how often do you do those the shirts? Well, I think usually when we we'll probably do one for the fiftieth year. Yeah. You know, we did one for I think the twenty fifth year. Uh, with the bloke running and he got about twenty five hats on his head. You know, uh, so. Yeah, yeah. It can be pretty pretty nasty, which is another reason why we didn't like the girls because when we started, we were younger and all rugby players. Some of the hares used to send us through some most atrocious conditions: lakes, rivers, muddy pools, and invariably there were fights in the middle of the muddy pools. <laughs> it used to get a bit rough. I remember in Chittlehurst, a little village near us, we were running in the winter and it was there was a pond in the middle of Chittlehurst with an island in the middle of it. And it was all frozen over. And when we came to the edge of the pond, there was an arrow. And if you see an arrow, you must always follow that arrow, regardless of what's in front of you. And this arrow pointed to the island in the middle and we looked at it and it was covered in ice. And like, oh. But you could just see where it had been broken. So the hare had done it. Because it's no good putting, you know, flour one side and doing round 
And then when we got to the island, we saw flour on it. So he had actually gone through it. And we had um, an Australian running with us who passing through. And he actually said, Jesus, do you bastards train the SAS? <laughs> Which we thought was quite a compliment. <laughs> so the trails were usually set before the run. Yes. How far ahead or how much time usually went into setting trails, especially in those wild earlier days? It's still today. You need to get up. We meet at five to 10 and you've got to get there, say, by quarter to 10. So you, you're up at seven o'clock laying the trail, which can take a couple of hours, no more than a couple of hours. You, you know it's too long then, because you've got to get back to open your car up for the brandy. Right. And how is it funded? How do people pay for their participation in that? We pay, we, we pay £10 a, a day, which takes the expenses of the, the gentleman who's provided lunch uh, and the drinks, which more than covers his cost, because most of the lads are pretty generous and never charge the full amount. They just give us a token figure. So we just take £10 a uh, and that's only just changed for years. It was only a fiver. And then we sort of caught up with times and we now charge 10 quid, which is yeah. not bad for a brandy, a halfway sip and a lunch and right. several years afterwards. So. What are your circles like nowadays? Well, pre-COVID. Oh, great fun. Um, you know, when we finished and changed, it's when we had the fines, we go round. We have a show of cards to start with, then we have a pot and the, the fines go round and people can say you've done this or done that. You know, if your hat comes off, there's a fine. So, and of course, people will try and knock it off as you run past them. <laughs> <laughs> and they'll always try and catch each other up. And you always get fined if you've done nothing. You get fined for being a goody-goody, so you've had it. Brilliant. It goes into the hash cash and he keeps that. And that, all of that money, he collects that, and that'll go towards our dinner in December. Okay, so a lot of people use the term hash fine, and they simply mean you're going to get a down-down. You actually collect monetary fine. Yes. And is the amount the same for regardless of the fine? Well, there's, as I say, £10 a head for the whatever, the food and things, and then the fines can range from a pound to three or four pounds, it depends. Oh. And then if somebody's been particularly bad, then the hash it will be awarded. And then mm. we have the, the vote, you know, the thumb comes up or it goes down. So It seems to and always then, turn you, out you, the same. Yeah, you've got to wear that hash it then on the run until somebody else gets it. Right. I, I had it the other day, and it was interesting because I was waiting. I was in a car park, which was quite busy, waiting for the hashes to come back, and I was standing there with this plastic pot on my head. And of course, you forget it, you've got it. And a, and a car drew in and a woman, and I started talking to her quite normally. You could see her looking at me, think, what is this idiot doing with a plastic pot in it? And, and she just drove away. I, was, I could see her going home. You know, I just had a conversation with a bloke with a plastic pot on his head. What do you do? But it's <laughs> Yeah, that's great. So your role is as a hash master. Does that mean you run the circle? Yeah, I run the circle. I run the whole thing. So I sort the hairs out. We have a fixture list. So each month is now booked we know who's going to do each month and he then prepares a trail he then sends me the starting location and where we have the the on and then i send it out to everybody on those rare occasions where you would have to miss who fills in i never miss you never miss that's brilliant well no that's that's not true that's that's boasting um, there's been a couple of occasions where i've been had to go oh well i didn't have to but i was away on holiday the mrs wall turner wasn't very pleased about having to change the holiday because the last sunday of the month was a hash but alan gaunt to go was the senior man next senior man he would be the temporary master you've mentioned a couple other positions uh mismanagement roles that may not be on every hash you had hash quack hash quack he's a doctor an amazing uh, special day once somebody on a run twisted his ankle and he was in quite serious pain and Hashquack had gone, he was quite a way ahead and we called him all the way back and he came back to this bloke who was lying in the field and asked him if he had private practice 
And the bloke said, no. And he said, well, sod it. And he turned around and ran away. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I just left this poor bloke lying there. Mm. We had an occasion once in the middle of the Ashdown Forest, uh, which we call the Hashdown Forest. But it's a big forest in Sussex. One of the blokes was running and he, his foot went into a, a dirt track of a trail of a, a car, a lorry tractor, I think it was, just as somebody jumped on him. So he went down, twisted, and of course his foot, because it was in the rut, didn't. And he let out this most almighty scream and his foot was facing the other way. So there we were in the middle of the forest with quite a serious injury. So we did a bomb burst to try and find a road. And one of our blokes, actually it was the Hash Museum, found a car, stopped him, which again was amazing because he was covered in mud with a silly woman's hat on. So I don't think I would have stopped him. But <laughs> Luckily, there were two Australians on holiday. So I thought, they, well, they probably thought this was okay. In <laughs> so you said a bomb burst. What do you carry, emergency gear on the trail? No, of course. No, we'd never thought of this before. So they phoned the hospital and we, we then had to direct the ambulance Miles from anywhere, miles from any road, and they came to within about 200 yards of him, came down with a, you know, the laughing gas, which they gave him, and a stretcher. And we carried him up the hill towards the ambulance, and, and between us and the ambulance then was this huge great puddle. The ambulance spoke said, oh, wait a minute, we better go round it. And we said, round it, we'll go through this. Water everywhere. And then one of the, one of the blokes went in and uh, inspected the ambulance. You know, ran his finger along the top to see if there was any dust and things like that. <laughs> these ambulance people were not amused. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this is such a tradition, right? It's like great, great stories. It's very fun to hear this. 50 years, very strongly held traditions. Has Westcombe Park Hash changed over the years, besides the aging and maybe a little bit slower on the trails? Not, that's, that's all. It's the principles are the same. The fun is the same. Still being clowns. We're still idiots. We still laugh at everything and anything. We're still running great trails, still finding parts of the countryside we've not run in, which we try to do. So it's something different, you know. And do you have hasher visitors from other places that just do not understand what is going on? Is that a normal occurrence? Well, we have had runners. Uh, I think well, probably 10 years ago, there was a, a German gentleman phoned me up. And um, he talked about hashes. And he said, I'm touring England. I'd like to join a hash. I said, well, yes, we've got one on Sunday, you know, if you're free. He said, well, I'm actually down the road in a telephone box. Ah, oh, I said, oh, well, you be better come. And he came and stayed with me. He spent a couple of nights with me and ran with us. And he just blended in. Well, it's mm -hmm. better to join us and fight us. Even though he got away with it. Yeah. So when you started with some of your mates in 1971, we think it's the first hash club in the UK. Did you have any idea that hashing would spread and grow like it has? No, I think we probably assumed it might, knowing how it was worldwide. I know some of our original hashers moved to East Grinstead, which is sort of about 20 miles away. Right. Because they didn't want to keep traveling to us, and they started the East Grinstead chapter. So that's how it's sort of gone about. Presumably mm -hmm. people like Mike Reed who come back from Hong Kong or wherever to, to wherever and started their own chapter. Mm -hmm. Have you had any people join the club over the years otherwise who were overseas hashers who came back to the UK? No, hmm. no, we haven't. So you're pretty much homegrown after the start. No, yeah. very cool. With that hashing being reliable, it's pretty unique to keep traditions that long and not have politics or divisiveness. How, how, it's an interesting success story for anything the last 50 years. And leadership certainly a part of it. And so is cooperation. 
Well, I think because we're all of the same, you know, it just runs so smoothly. Nobody wants to change it for, for the wrong. We don't have any power struggle. I don't believe they keep threatening to get rid of me, but I, I think it's, I hope, uh, it's all tongue in cheek, you know. Yeah. It just happens, you know. It's just one of those lovely things. Yeah. There are some other things in the bigger, wider Hasher world that are collecting history. There's a T-shirt museum and swag museum. I think it would be interesting to get one of your T-shirts, one of the club's early T-shirts if it hasn't been given, to yeah. be, be a part of the history as far back as we can go and any of the other printed materials. Maybe we can coordinate including that in the Hash Museum that's going to be... Give me an address and I'll put one in the post to you. Okay, great. I don't know how well known your hash is around the UK. Well, I know we've appeared in several hash address books, so yeah. people do know us. Yeah. The London chapter knows. Yeah. I think some of them want to come on our run, on our 50th run. They want to come with us. Yeah, that might be a big event. Or do you, well, I, yes, do you think you'll have to limit this, the participation? No, because we would, we're sort of planning to have it at the rugby club. Ah. Uh, so in that case, we've got acres of land and huge great halls to hold it in. So catering may be a bit difficult. We may not be able to do that. And I don't know how many bottles of brandy we'd have to have. Of course. Right. And you, everybody's going to have to get their own hat and be informed. Yes. Oh, yeah, they, got, they won't be. It's going to have a hat. Yeah, this is a wonderful story and a wonderful culture of hashing. Different clubs have things, but you guys have a rich, very strong, fun set of traditions and attitudes. You know, I got such a lovely set of photographs over the years, too. Collecting these interviews, mainly to talk to people like you who were there at the very early origins of some classic hashing clubs. What else do you have to say about hashing or how it's affected your life? I think, you know, we all live a fairly stressful life. I'm still working. I'm the marketing man for a male voice choir that I sing in. Uh, I'm very heavily involved in my rugby club as touch judge and first team manager, uh, plus business. And I find that, you know, once a month to be a complete idiot is wonderful. We like yeah. children. You see a puddle, you splash in it like kids of two years do. And we throw mud at each other and, you know, it's ridiculous, ridiculous. And yeah. I, it's a great, great release, you know, it gets rid of the tension. And, you know, I'm 82, so I should be stopping this really, but, you know, what? <laughs> And we hope we hope you don't. It made a very clear picture. I've just met you. It's very clear. You sound like a hashman. It's very you're very outgoing and interesting and fun. What is it that is required of a person to be the hash master of Westcombe Park? What what kind of person did it well, take? The ability to have his leg pulled and not get upset. <laughs> That's the main thing. <laughs> don't be too proud, you know. Just because you're called the master, you're not really the master. They wouldn't let you get away with that. I guess a singing voice doesn't hurt. No, but it doesn't. I mean, nobody judges you on your singing voice. Say we don't really sing anymore, which is a pity, but never mind. Never mind. Years and years of fun. And I met some great blokes, you know. Some have come and some have gone on. Some have retired. But they've all been great blokes. Is there a hash retirement tradition acknowledgement? They just don't show up. If they just stop showing up, they stop showing up. One of the traditions we keep going is our Christmas run of hash. And Alan Gaunt, Hash Cash, always does that one. And we always know when we're coming to the halfway sit because we can hear the Christmas carols coming out of his recorder. And we come around the corner and he's decorated a tree with all the lights and things. And he's got mince pies. So it's a very Christmassy halfway set. So that's a tradition we've always kept going. This is magnificent. Of course, for that one, he always, wherever we're in the middle of a field summer, so he's always had to take a generator with him to get enough electricity for the lights and the music. So it's, it's all well organised. That's fantastic. We told some great stories and things going wrong. I, I imagine some Sundays there's pretty bad weather. 
has anything ever threatened to postpone or take out a hash? We've never we've never missed a hash because of bad weather. You know, wet, it's wet, it's wet or it's snowy. I think one year, one of the first years we had a snow and somebody found, a, when we came to a hill, found a bit of corrugated iron and he went down the hill on the, as a toboggan. And he thought this was very funny. And then, of course, he got fined very heavily for not following the trail on foot. So <laughs> he didn't win. So it's, again, very silly, but that's what it's all about. No, we've that's never lost a, a hash through bad weather. Fantastic. I could talk for hours, really. Yeah, yeah, I can talk to you for hours, and I, I don't have any questions. I just enjoy listening and hearing. Uh, it's just a great crowd. We had Mike Reed again. Mike Reed, what a terrible man he was. Uh, he was, worked for British American Tobacco. Brilliant, brilliant mind. He could think things up and do things. And, and he said, right, I've arranged a trip. We're going to have a trip to Guernsey. Uh, we're flying over there, hotel accommodation, £10 a head. And we thought, you know, this is impossible, Mike. You're telling porkies. He said, no, no, it's £10 a head. So we thought, right, so we all get about 40 of us wives all went over to uh, to Guernsey. Uh, and then we were met by some gentlemen from Guernsey Squash Club. And it turned out we were supposed to be a squash team playing them. And that's how the government arranged this cheap fare. Because <laughs> and there wasn't one of us who could play squash. We had one member who did, and he was pissed all the time and was pretending to be a dog and used to sit in the floor bark. So, I mean, and we were so embarrassed because they, they had a competition and whittled it down to a team of however many it was to play Western Park squash players. And they laid on a dinner dance that night and all we came for a run and a piss up. They, so they were, we eventually won them over and they said to us, why didn't you say what you were coming for? And we would arrange something else. So that was Mike Reed. It was very embarrassing for a time. <laughs> That's a brilliant story. That is fantastic. How about we plan to talk to you just before or just after your anniversary this year? Fine. Yeah, it is a uplifting and fun story to hear and inspirational to hear from you personally, just that you're an 82 year old hasher who loves it to this day. And that's very, that's a very great thing to see and meet. Uh, well, no, super. Because when I, we put on a show and when I do a hash dinner, we put some of the slides together. We had a hash porn, the one who used to take a lot of photographs and some very strange photographs as well, which was always great fun. Onto a hash one morning, Alan Gaunt and I were going, and this bicycle came out of a house about 10 houses up, and it was Hash Porn, who had been overnight with a young lady that wasn't his wife. And he, you could see him cycling up the road, trying not to look at us, and we just drove along beside him. He was getting more and more desperate. <laughs> and he told his wife he'd been out fishing all night. No. He'd come back put rain all over his raincoat. Anyway, that's another story. So let's hear about the Western Park this Adventure is, uh, of Royalty. This is um, coming up to the Queen Mother's Jubilee. And mm -hmm. near us at a place called Cheevening was a big house where Prince, which was owned by Prince Charles. And there's a lot of grounds uh, through which a number of public footpaths run. So we thought we'd lay a trail through his grounds. And then we thought, well, why don't we drop him a line to make sure it's all right to do it? Uh, and invited him to hash with us, which we weren't really expecting him to do so. But we got a letter back saying, you know, perfectly all right, you, you can do that because where we wanted to have the halfway sip was just in the real grounds of the place, not the public, where the public go. Right. We got a letter back saying, yeah, that's fine, you can come in for the halfway drink. So my colleague and I, Colin Turner, we were laying the trail, uh, and everybody had to wear red, white, blue hats. Colin had a Range Rover, not a Range Rover, a Land Rover, which we decorated with Union Jacks and bunting and everything else. And we drove up to these big gates at the palace there and blew the horn and a very... <laughs> Hard-looking security man came and we explained, oh, yes, I know you lot are coming in. And they led us in 
and we drove into the just outside his garden and we set up the table for the halfway set and I had three big silver bowls which was full of gin and tonic. Each one had gin and tonic, but I coloured one with red and one with blue dye colours. So we had a red, white, blue. <laughs> and and we, you know, we just thought we we might see him at half. He might come down for a halfway set, but he didn't. So, uh, but that was so we had a great lot of fun. I've been desperately trying to find the letter from Buckingham Palace from him saying you can come here, and I can't find it anywhere. Wow! I know it's somewhere, it's somewhere in the house. Yeah, or maybe they have a copy. Well, the, uh, the, <laughs> very nice that we were allowed to do it. You know. That's fantastic, yeah. Certainly, you know, supposed yeah. to love drunken runners. But, uh, oh, where are you this month? Uh, this month we're at Caterham. I just had the notes through from the hair. So we're somewhere over in Caterham, near a, a world-famous World War II aerodrome. So I, know, I think we'd be running around that aerodrome. We all have our mugs. Uh, this is my mug that says HHH Western Park Chapter Inaugural Run. 19th of December 1971, John Ward Turner on on. Now, after 10 runs, you get given one of these, but it's not, it doesn't say inaugural run, it just says a hash mug. Right. And again, you have to have these at all hash runs for the drinks. Again, we, you don't leave it lying around because when you come back, it's gone. <laughs> and some, I got some photographs on the other side of blokes who actually have a handcuff from their wrist to the handle of the mug, so they, they never ah, lose it. This is, this is brilliant. This is one of the most childish and elder hashes yes. in the world. Yes. <laughs> uh, how are the plans going for the December anniversary? I shall have a big meeting tonight with Alan, and then I shall be talking to Trigamist, who I think you remember, uh, yeah. to see how we're going to arrange and what we're going to arrange whether we have a an open invitation for the run on the sunday or who do we invite invite for the dinner on the friday it's logistically it could be very difficult but we'll get over it we'll certainly send out some invitations to certainly to some of the people who ran with us originally and went off to east grinstead to start that chapter right uh, some of the london chapters who run with us you never know we might not hear from anybody on the other hand we might suddenly have 500 turn up on the doorstep yeah, maybe we can get a video report and a photographic report and add that then. Yeah. All right, enjoy the rest of the summer until we'll talk to you later in the year. Good man. Lovely. Thank right. you for that weekend. All right. On, on. Cheers. On, on. Bye-bye. <laughs> I want to thank 50-year veteran hasher, the master from Westcombe Park Hash House Harriers, coming on the podcast today. This is the On, On podcast, Hasher Voices, Hasher stories and Hasher history. New episodes every week. Until next time, on on, this is Ra. To close the circle, here's the Hash Anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low, sweet child.